we need to love God and we need to be students of God and we want to uh, thank God for the worship. I love the new Carry His Name song, Brian. Thank you. And we need to carry His name because we love Him. We believe in God. Amen? We believe in God. Hey, when Brian was young, he used to ask me all these questions. He would say, is God? And then he'd have his question. Uh, his question would be, is God stronger than a locomotive? And, and, and I would answer it the same way every time. He would say, is God taller than the tallest building? And I would answer it the same way. Every time he asked, is God, I answered it with this response, God is. God is. God is what you need him to be when you need him. God is there when you're lost. God is there when you're in darkness. God is completely there with us. I'm launching a new sermon series beginning today and for several weeks through 1 John. And it's simply titled, God Is. You may have seen it on our website, all the things that we're talking about. God is God is. Uh, today we're going to talk about God is life. Uh, in the next few weeks we'll talk about God is light. God is forgiving. He's love. He's truth. He's victorious. He's knowable. And God is listening. I like that last one. That's what we'll end out the series. Is God really listening to all our prayers to cure COVID? What is God? God is. God is. There's a wonderful hymn writer, Philip Bliss, died at the young age of 38. That's young. 38, that's, uh, I'm, I'm a few years older than that. Uh, but 38 is a young age, died. And, and before his death, he wrote many gospel hymns, including the wonderful words of life. He was driven by biblical teaching to study the Bible. He loved studying the Bible. And the young author felt the need to encourage others to study the Bible as well. And thus the hymn was originally born from his pen to a group of people he was meeting in a small Bible study. I mean, imagine, he wrote this hymn, this song for a group of people meeting in a Sunday school class. <clears throat> and uh, it became so popular that, that it left the Sunday school class and became a regular part of corporate worship around the world. But sadly, many people... Uh, don't really get the message of his song, uh, the wonderful words of life. And spiritual leaders today share the same desire of, spirit, of Philip Bliss that, we, Bliss, that we need to learn the Bible. And, and yet many people, they settle for less at life. Instead of wanting to know God more, they settle in saying, I'm fine with knowing God less. Do you know God more? Do you want to know more of God? Listen to the words of the hymn. Sing them over again to me, wonderful words of life. Let me more of their beauty see, wonderful words of life. God is life. Failure to focus on God is to fail at real life. And this morning I want us to look at who God is and what He does and discover in a fresh new way. Our God is life. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, as we look at this text and we break it down for our consideration today, help us discover the real life that you offer us. This is our prayer ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, I want you to look at 1 John chapter 1, and we're going to read just uh, four verses together. And it's a wonderful text, and, uh, and if you've ever read 1 John, and I'm sure you have, this is, has such a flow about who God is and who Jesus is. And it says this, That which is from, what is from the beginning, <clears throat> what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what well, we have observed with our touch with our hands and concerned with the word of life, concerning the word of life, the life was revealed and we have seen it and we testify and declare it and that eternal life that was with the Father was revealed to us. That which we have seen and heard we also declare to you so that you may also have fellowship with us 
and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing all this down. We're recording all this so that our joy may be complete. I want us to discover what life is all about. And here's what he says, John says, and John, one of the great writers of text, and he wrote 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, and then he wrote Revelation. And you think about this, what is he saying? He's saying to begin with, folks, you got to get this down. God offers real life. Real life. He said, what we have observed and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. Why does John say this word of life? What is it about? He says that only God can give you the reason to live. Only God gives you the reason and why you're supposed to live. He guides us with His Word and He rescues us with His words. And the Word of God is the way to discover this life. And so what John is saying is that if you want to understand the great Word of God, the great life of God, you've got to look at what the Word says about God. How unwise it is for people to say they want to come to church and never read the Bible. How unhealthy it is for people to say they believe in God and never look at what the Word of God says. So here's what the Bible says about God offering real life. And he says three things. I want you to get this. Don't, don't miss this. Jot this down. God offers real life in three ways. First of all, He offered real life and revealed it historically. It's His story. What we have seen from the beginning. You want to go back to where things started? Where do you go back? If you want to go back to where things started, where do you go? You go back to the beginning. The beginning. God records the beginning of life. In fact, is the Bible says God began. He breathed into Adam and Adam became a living soul. God created life. We are all here in this room and we're all here watching on TV or our computers that God is there. We're here because God made us. He made me this old sinful piece of clay. He made me. God made us. He made us historically. In fact, there's some people talk about how God created everything, and the, the evolutionists would say God created a thing with the Big Bang Theory. You've probably heard that. And, and one guy came back and says, God did it. God said it, and Big Bang, there it was. God made it. Here, here's what the Bible says. God spoke man into existence. That means he did it without stuff. He, I know the Bible says clearly that, that man became dust of the ground and God spoke. And so he took the dust and then he said, man become. You are a product of God Almighty. God made you. Never forget that. And the Bible reveals this historically. When Jesus came, he came to reveal the real life in God. And when we search for Jesus, we'll discover that Jesus was really, really alive. He was. The wonderful work of Josephus, Flavus Josephus, that's a hard word to say, Flavus Josephus, he's the Jewish historian that made so much popular for the Jewish history, but he writes, this person who lived not too long after Jesus lived, here's what he said, he was a Jew and not a believer, but here's what he said about Jesus in his text, and when it comes to the man named Jesus, if it's possible to call him a man, he did many wonderful works. History records that we have life in Jesus. Jesus is our life. God offers real life personally, not just historically, personally. He says, that which we've observed. Now, I've got to tell you, I've never seen God. I'd like to see Him. Uh, I, I, I've never seen Him in the flesh. 
You remember hearing that old story? I've told it here before, but it fits so well here. Hold up your hands two times. I've told this before, but you've got to hear it here again because it fits so well. A little girl was being busy, hyperactive, as kids can be. Can I get a witness out there? I, can, I probably was born hyperactive. I'm still losing some of it, but I mean, but I, I was born that way. And, and she was real busy, and her mom was trying to cook dinner and clean the house. She said, sweetheart, here's some crayons, and here's a piece of paper. Draw something. And so she started being busy drawing stuff, being busy like crazy drawing stuff. And her mother walked by. She was so busy. She said, sweetheart, what are you drawing? She says, I'm drawing the face of God. And she said, sweetheart, nobody knows what God looks like. She said, they will when I get through. <laughs> Let me tell you something. If you want to know God, you want to see God, you look and think to what the Bible says about Jesus. You don't know what God's like. In fact, the, the, the Pharisees said, show us God. And Jesus said to the Pharisees, you've seen me walk. You've seen God walk. You've heard me talk. You've heard God talk. If you want to know God, you must know God through Jesus. Jesus offers real life personally, and we have to get that. You remember, now some of you won't remember this because you're way too young, but I have to go back to history to say this. This is way back in the, the books of history. You remember the cowboy Roy Rogers? How many remember Roy Rogers? Roy Rogers was in an airport one time, and he was praying, reading his Bible in an airport. And somebody sat down him, and, and how rude people can be. Somebody sat down behind him, beside him and challenged him, who are you praying to and who are you talking to, who are you read about? And he said, I'm talking to God. And the man said to Roy Rogers, don't you know that God is not real? Don't you know that God is dead? Here was Roy Rogers' response. My friend, he's not dead. I just talked to him. <laughs> he's not dead. He's in my heart. And my friend, he can live in you too. Listen, God is real. Historically, God is real. God is real personally, and God is real, real biblically, that which we have seen. The Bible, particularly the New Testament, you can't say this about the Old Testament. The Old Testament was written by people before Jesus. But when the New Testament came, all of the New Testament is written by people who had a close encounter or direct encounter with Jesus Christ. And the Bible teaches this, and the people who recorded the New Testament were eyewitnesses. In fact, here's what the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 16. This gives truth and power to our message and our belief. Here's what Peter said. Peter knew Jesus. Peter, the one who was walking on the water when Jesus rescued him. Peter is the one who denied him and Jesus restored him. Jesus, Peter knew Jesus. And here's what Peter said about Jesus, historically and biblically. He said, he, we did not follow cleverly invented stories, but we were eyewitnesses. When you read the Bible, you read the Bible that Peter said, I saw him, I knew him, I touched him, and he touched my life. Um, some time ago, I, I served as a chaplain for this community for the local hospital, and I was called uh, early one morning uh, to make a chaplain visit to a, for a truck driver who was driving down 635. And it had a major heart attack, and he requested a visit from a chaplain. So the, the office there at the hospital called me, and I went over there, and he told me, he said, I'm going down the road on 635. And all of a sudden, my chest became heavy, and I couldn't see, and I couldn't hold on to the steering wheel. And I said this prayer, Dear Jesus, I know something's wrong with me. Would you help me make a U-turn so I can get back to that hospital I just passed? And he said, Pastor... I made the U-turn, came back to my awareness, pulled in the hospital, drove right up the emergency, and fell out of my door, and they rescued me. Pastor, I called you over here to just say this to you. When you preach about Jesus, you tell people that Jesus is alive. He's alive. 
I read this story about a little girl who couldn't sleep. Uh, I remember when Brian couldn't sleep at night. <laughs> I remember about this little girl, heard the story, she couldn't sleep, so she kept talking and talking and talking and talking and making stuff going on in the racket. Her mom went in and says, Sweetheart, why don't you be quiet? She's, she goes, I'm scared when I'm quiet. When he gets quiet, I get scared. And she said, well, sweetheart, I'll just pray that Jesus will be with you. And she says, that's fine, Mom, you pray that, but I need somebody with skin on it to be with me. Listen, Jesus is really there. I read this story about a preacher's kid. You probably heard about what it's like to be a preacher's kid. I wasn't a preacher's kid. Brian was a preacher's kid. Jared was a preacher's kid. This preacher's kid was going through the difficult times as a young child saying can do. And I read once that he, he was talking to his mother and, and uh, she, he was out playing and she, she, she came up to him and said, look at that dirt that's on you, all that dirt. You're playing in that dirt. You've got germs all over you. Could you just go wash your face and wash your hands? And here's the little boy's response. Mom, germs, germs. Germs and Jesus. All I hear about in this house is germs and Jesus. And I've never seen either one of them. I'll tell you how you can see him. You want to see God offer you life? Here's how you can see him. Every person that confesses that Jesus is born in the flesh is from God. You can see him. You can see him. God offers real life. God is. God is a God who offers real life relationships. The Bible says in verse 3, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. We are not connected just to a God that's not aware, a God that's not available. We have fellowship. We talk with Him. We relate to Him. We talk to God. We know that Jesus is with us. God wants us to know Him in a personal relationship, and He makes this possible through Jesus Christ. Let me ask you this question. Is Jesus your personal Savior? That's what we ask people. If you're watching online, is Jesus your personal Savior? The Bible says in John chapter 14, verse 7, if you had known me, you would have known the Father. In other words, if you want to know God, you've got to know Jesus. God offers eternal life relationships. See, the people that you meet down here that are believers in Jesus, hey, I've got great news for you. We're going to know each other in heaven. We're going, to, we're going to see, some of us, if we're here when Jesus comes back, we're going to say, hey, there's Jerry. He's coming with him. Here's Beverly. We're going to the rapture. This, these eternal relationships. And so, hey, hey, here's what the Bible teaches, that we have these real life eternal relationships that one day the people that you see down on this earth who place their faith in Jesus will walk the golden streets together. Praise God. Offers real eternal life relationships. We discover this life according to the Bible from, from Revelation, that which we have seen. God invites us to see historically, miraculously, and verbally we see. And so God offers us, and the Bible teaches that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We see the fact historically that Jesus came and the revelation of Jesus. We discover God's life through personal reception. The Bible talks about fellowship with Jesus Christ. You know, one of the things that we're missing right now in church is fellowship. Uh, it's not healthy not to fellowship. Can I get a witness? And so we're trying to get some things started and trying to make a way to get back in the fellowship. And I want to say this to you as well, uh, to, to, in addition to this. Not just our fellowship together. The great fellowship that we miss at times in discovering real-life relationships is our fellowship with Jesus Christ. The Bible says this, that John said this, our fellowship, our number one fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. I remember somebody called me years ago and they said, well, I used to go to your church, Pastor. First of all, it's not my church. It's God's church. 
I used to go to your church, Pastor, but I didn't make any friends down there. I didn't have any fellowship down there. I, and, and I understand people might say that about a church and complain about friendships. But let me say this, that you can make no complaint by not having fellowship. Because the Bible says our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. If you are out of fellowship with them, you'll be out of fellowship with your friends. Get back in fellowship with God. So I'm going to tell you that we, are, we fellowship through this revelation and we have this personal relationship. Have you received Jesus Christ? The Bible says this, as many as received Him, He gave them the power to become the children of God. And once you become a child of God, you got fellowship with the Father. We discover his, God's real life through redemption. I love this verse in Colossians chapter 1, verse 14. In Him we have redemption through His blood. Our relationship to God is based on blood relationship. We are, we are related to Jesus by the sacrificial blood. We are not born like Jesus was from God. But let me say this. Because we've been born again, we have a Father in heaven. I read this terrible story about our first president, which was George Washington. You remember read the story? There, there was this, this theory that used to go on during that time about about when people would get sick, and he got sick with diphtheria, and it's a virus, and they didn't know what to do, and they were giving him all kinds of medicines and treatment, and one of the strategies they had during that time, an unwise strategy, strategy was called bloodletting, and what they would do is they would actually take a tube and drain blood off of, off of him, and, and several times through the night, they, blood, they, they bled George Washington, and he, he, the, the, the bottom line is he didn't die. He didn't die because of diphtheria. He died because he bled to death. And what the Bible says this in, in, in Leviticus, that life is in the blood. And I want you to know that we have clear life in the blood of Jesus Christ. And I would say this, when, when you had your sins washed away, your relationship has become a blood relationship. J Jesus says, when I see the blood, I'll, I'll come for you. Tony Evans, the wonderful preacher here in Dallas, he talked about having this real life relationship with God. And he said, people today are wanting more and more from their relationship with God. And he said, I have this response. You can get more when you want more. You can get more when you want more. And so what he said in his sermon, he says, I'm asking my congregation today to look at God and step a little closer. And when you step a little closer, you will feel his presence and his power. I'm asking you to plug into the power. I have a little visual aid to show you. This is a power strip, and I have this in my office, and I operate a few things off of it. But if you were to plug in a lamp, if this was a lamp, and turn that light on, you'd plug in one power source. But if you had two lamps, you'd say, I can't do it. But you could if you had a power strip, because you can make one become one, two, three, four, five, six. In other words, what, what happens is that when you plug into this, you extend the power. The power goes beyond what it originally created. And I want to tell you this. When you plug into God in a personal relationship, you have amazing resources and power to light the world you never dreamed. Plug into His power. God offers real life relationships and God offers real joy. Um, remember that song, I got joy down in my heart. Deep, deep down in my heart. Jesus put it there and nothing can destroy it, destroy it, destroy it. <clears throat> Have you got the joy today? Are you bored with life today? <clears throat> Sometimes I wake up in the morning and look in the mirror and I think, I look old. <laughs> Wrinkles is destroying my joy. But then you got to just take your hand and go, mm, I'm going to make the best with the joy I got. I'm with the wrinkles I got. Better to have wrinkles than none, you know. 
Here's the deal. God offers real joy that lasts. He says in verse 4, we're writing these things to you. Follow this, that our joy may be complete. Sadly, many people are living life with incomplete joy. You don't have to. You don't have to. Because God is. God is the God who gives real joy that lasts. There's something special about writing things down. Here's what he said. We are writing these things down. And I tell you, I have to write things down. My memory's not as long as it used to be. In fact, my good friend Charles Kendall used to say this, and I love to quote him because he's the one that told me this, so I give him credit. He said, Jerry, never forget this. A short pencil is better than a long brain. Now, nowadays, you don't need a pencil. You just put it on your phone. You make a shopping list on your phone. Do y'all do that? Make shopping list on your phone? Do you remind yourself on your phone? Send reminders? The computer does a lot for you. But let me say this. We need reminders. And so there's something special about writing things down. Did you ever go to class or seminary or whatever? You're going to college or whatever, and the teacher says, write this down. If they say, write this down, you might be saying this. You might be saying, hey, this is important. And so what happens is we say this, that John was saying, this is something worth writing down. Now just stop for a minute. This is something worth writing down. Why would he write it down? It stirs the mind. Once you put it on the pen, you reach your hand. Then you reach your brain. Once you get in the brain, you reach your heart. It's good. To, so I would say this. It's good to write down. I met a man the other day. Uh, Sue and I were doing some shopping for a future event here at the church at Office Depot. And the man's checking me out. And, we were buying some highlighters and stuff that we're going to use for a service when we open up. And he says, I like these highlighters because I like to highlight the Bible. It just colors one side and not the other side. And he says, I like all these colors do the same thing. These are the best highlighters. And I study the Bible and I, I write it down. Here's what he's saying. I make note of those things in the Bible that are important. And it's all important. Some things just jump out at you and underline. I, when I first started in the ministry, they said you should take a, a color pen and, and color different colors. I had red, green, and blue. Blue was heaven. Red was the blood of Jesus Christ. Green was growth. And I just started, and all the red, every time I thought about Jesus, I write those in red, written in red. And you, my first Bible, I have it in my office. It looked like a coloring book. Then I had gold. I had heaven. The grand eternal heaven, beyond blue heaven. I want to say this. He says, I write it down. John said there's some things you must write down about God. It stimulates, it stirs the mind, it stimulates the emotion, and it stirs the memory. Real joy, John says, is created by God. The Bible says when Jesus was born, there were people kind of a little alarmed by the angel's announcement. You remember this? What did the angel say? Don't be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy. You want great joy? Let me tell you where great joy comes. It doesn't come in the stuff of this world. It doesn't come in a birthday gift or some package or something you bought. It comes through knowing Jesus. Great joy. Most people want great joy. Most people want more joy. And joy is needed today. Hey, I got to tell you something. Joy is needed today. A lot of people out there in a bad mood. A lot of people out there in an arguing mood. Hey, let's get our joy back. Let's don't let Satan steal our joy. And he's doing it. The thief, the Bible says in John chapter, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I've come to give you life. Don't let a Satan or any situation or anything that you're facing steal your joy. Find your joy in God. Make it last. Joy is needed today in a very creative way. And the Bible says God created joy. And here's what this means. That if God created joy, guess what? Get, the, get this. If he created joy, you can have to run out of it. He can make more. He made you smile once. He can make you smile again. 
He can make you sing once, he can make you sing again. Hey, think about this. Think about all the Christian hymns and songs we've been writing from singing. We go back to Philip Bliss singing Wonderful Words of Life and look at the thousands, if not millions of songs that have been written about God and each day people are writing songs about God. Why? Because God is still creating more joy in people who see Jesus and have joy in singing about him. Don't let Satan steal your joy. Find your joy in Jesus. God offers real joy that lasts. Real joy is correct joy. Uh, I think sometimes we need to pray a prayer for some of our friends. In fact, I'm going to throw out a little prayer suggestion for you right now. Here's the prayer. You know somebody that's sad right now. You know somebody that's burdened right now. Here's a little short prayer to pray. It goes like this. Here's your prayer. God, will you send more joy to fill in the blank? Do you have somebody in your heart right now? that needs more joy, would you send a prayer on their behalf? God, send them joy. God has a way of making people happy and holy. Real joy is not only created joy by God, but it's, it's correct joy. Sometimes joy is the source of your life. Sometimes it's not. One person write it like this. Sometimes joy is the source of your smile, but sometimes your smile is the source of your joy. Hey, I got to tell you something. I like to tell jokes. I like to tell dad jokes. Come around me sometimes. I, Kevin, we know dad jokes. Don't we? I, I like to tell, I love those dad jokes I told him. I, I like to tell dad. But here's, here's, what I, here's what problem I have right now. Wearing these masks, and I, I, I think we should wear them if, if somebody asks us to wear them. I think we got to just trust every we can, do what we can to make this better. But let me say this. One thing I don't like about wearing a mask is when I tell a joke, I can't see anybody laughing. <laughs> these masks are stealing my joy. I want to tell you something, folks. Joy is beyond the mask. Joy is in the heart. Joy is in the eyes. <laughs> Sometimes you laugh so hard, you cry. I was walking with, taking a trip with John Sager, minister of music, uh, and youth at Lakeview Baptist Church. We're going to New Orleans for the Southern Baptist Convention. We're driving down toward Louisiana and we said something, I said something funny, and he started laughing, I started having, laughing. He was eating some seeds, pistachio seeds, something, and he started choking. We had to pull over, let him choke, and let me cry, and we just laughed, and so people were driving by, stacked up traffic, and we're sitting there just rolling and laughing and crying over something silly. Hey, let me say something. We need correct joy. Not funny joy. We need lasting joy. And then he says this, real joy is complete joy. Sadly, many people suffer from artificial joy. You can tell a joke, but that doesn't last. You can watch a comedian, but that'll never last. You can look to your friends to make you happy and give you joy, and that'll never last. You can look to games. You can look at purchases. You can look at the home and the car you drive. And none of those things will create joy that lasts. Only Jesus is the joy that lasts. Vance Havner said it like this, artificial joy is like whipped cream. It gets all puffed up, then it falls and leaks away. Listen, you need joy, and I need joy that lasts in Jesus' name. Ray Steadman, the wonderful author, tells a story, and he asked a question about uh, joy, and he said the better word for joy should be excitement uh, because we should be excited about our relationship with Christ. We should be excited about the future of the church, excited about the Bible. And he said, and people, they have lost their joy. They've lost their excitement. And he tells a story about a guy named Shoko Yokoa, 
who was, he said nobody would hear him, but you wouldn't know about him except you read this story. Have you ever heard of Shokaku Yohara? He said he was in Japan, in Guam, rather, and he spent 28 years of his life in prison. Not a prison of bars and locks, but a prison of ignorance. He was a Japanese soldier on the island of Guam during World War II. And when the Americans landed, he fled to the jungle and found the cave and hid in the cave for 28 years. He learned the truth at first by pamphlets that were dropped by the, out of planes that, that, that everything was free and, he could, and everybody could come out. But he believed it was tricks, so he stayed for 28 years. And in those 28 years, he lived in the cave eating rats, roaches, frogs, and the only thing that, would eat, that was worth anything was mangoes until some natives finally found him and convinced him that it was safe to come out. Ray Stedman says this, what a waste of life. And he asked this question, are you wasting your life? Or are you finding your joy and your excitement and your freedom in Jesus Christ? Fear steals our joy. Remember this, fear is a liar. And I'm asking you today, as we come to make announcements and conclude the service, we need to pray this prayer. Find our joy and our freedom in Jesus Christ. You are not in jail. You're free. The Bible says in John chapter 8, John chapter 8, if the Son will make you free, you will be free indeed. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, I pray that you'd help us to see that uh, there are a lot of things right now that can steal our joy. Um, America's been hit. Our world's been hit by, by joy stealers. I pray you'd help us to see our, our, in a refreshing new way that we can find our hope, our joy, and our, and our fulfillment in Jesus Christ alone. We commit ourselves to you and ask you to bless us as we rediscover our joy in a fresh new way. Help us to see that our joy can be complete. This is our prayer we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.